0: Don't call it a comeback, I'll have hair for years.
1: Wake up in the morning feeling like P D hey, my glasses on out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before
0: go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking Live from the
1: Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Ranked there? uh above 80th. Hey Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not hello. good. This is the Press Box.
2: Hi, on are you there? I'm With Grady and Bischoff.
1: Ed, disconnect! Hi, are you there? Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we hello. hear you. Disconnect! On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you
3: hear me saying hello and you were yelling at me to disconnect?
1: Yes, I was. That oh, that's awesome. Was.
3: Every day, things get better and better from doing our show at home. We can't get better at that. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. I think we can all hear each other this morning. Very, very interesting topic to start with, so we'll throw it to Jared.
0: The first bite. Did the
2: Raiders send the worst tweet in team history?
3: This is interesting. And I think, you know, we're going to try to break it down as best we can in one segment. I, I don't know if we can do that, you know. Successfully, Because there's so much context here. Let me let me throw it back to you. I talked to Mark Davis yesterday. You've seen the quotes from him about this, uh, about his tweet. He's the one who tweeted uh, this tweet um, and he took responsibility for it. And uh, the I can breathe for 2021 uh, tweet. I want your thoughts off the top because I talked to him and wrote the story. So uh, I do think there's context here beyond just like 30,000 people being mad at it. So what was your
1: take? That Mark Davis is trying to make this about him and the Raiders, um, that this is not about him and the Raiders. And Mark Davis was trying to make it to be about him and the Raiders. Like one of the quotes you got from him was, I was driving home from a meeting when the verdict came in. Soon after, I was listening to George Floyd's brother speak. And he said, today we were able to breathe again. I took my lead from him. In my mind, that was all I needed to say. I can breathe. No, Mark Davis doesn't need to say anything. I don't know why Mark Davis thinks he needs to say something, but Mark Davis saw this verdict come down on Derek Chauvin and thought he had to say something, thought his organization had to say something. And he's not the only one that thought they had to say something. But sports organizations and sports owners don't need to say something. And Mark Davis thought he had to say something, thought he was important in this situation. When he's not he has nothing to do with this and if you want to show support that's fine but it's not about you and when you're questioned about hey everyone thinks you sent out a horrible tweet why he turns it into him and hit like why he did it and why it's staying up like mark davis tried to make this about him and it's not about him yesterday had nothing to do with him and mark davis is like ah oh, no this is what i thought this is what i was doing and the other part of this that i can't So the the whole I can breathe phrasing here, he says he took it from George Floyd's brother when George Floyd's brothers say we are able to breathe again. First off, if you're going to take it from George Floyd's brother, use a direct quote. Don't take it and paraphrase it. Use a direct quote if that's where you want it to come from. But the most amazing part about this is that they use the words I can breathe which have been used by people that support cops that have killed mm-hmm. black people in the past. Mm-hmm. Like That's where that phrase back in 2014 was on shirts, I can breathe, to mock people that have said I can't breathe while being choked by police officers. So what amazes me is that Mark Davis was unaware of that until Tashaun Reed from The Athletic talked to him yesterday and told him that. Tashawn reed does not work for the raiders Tashawn reed works for a media outlet and he was the first person to tell mark davis hey this i can breathe phrase was used by people to mock the victims of police brutality how a does mark davis not know that and how b is there not a single person in the raiders organization that would tell mark davis that how do they not have that person to say mark davis hey um we probably shouldn't use that phrase because that phrase has been used to mock people like George Floyd in the past. How is Tashaun Reed from the Athletic the first person to bring that to Mark Davis's attention?
3: Yeah, that and that's why I'd like to know well we know where the chain of command starts. It starts with Mark Davis, uh, you know, he doesn't have a Twitter account, so obviously he had to alert again, I don't know, did he alert social media people? Did he alert the PR people? I don't know. Was it just one person? Do they have a social media person? And did he call that person and just say, tweet this? It might have been as simple as that. And like you said, that person might have also not known or remember 2015. It followed the killing of Eric Garner uh, when the police wore those shirts. Um, so you might have just two people who didn't realize what it was. You might have 10. I have no idea. When I talked to him, the only thing he said to me is I don't have a Twitter account, but I told them to tweet it. I don't, the context of him, perhaps I should have followed up is I don't know what them means. I assumed it meant whoever runs their social media account. I can't believe, you know, he called 10 people. I think he probably just called the people who tweet out and I, it's probably one person. Um, yeah. And in that sense, I mean, he told Tashan, uh, okay, I've learned something and we can definitely, you know, uh, discuss whether he should have remembered or whether he should have not remembered. I, I absolutely guarantee the 26, 30,000, whatever the number is right now who responded to the tweet, also either didn't know about 2014 or didn't remember. I know there's no question about that, but I'm sure a lot did because that was probably a lot of, other than what you were saying in terms of it being making it about him or about the Raiders, I assume a large percentage, you know, went right to that in terms of 2014. I didn't see that in any of those comments. Now, look, I didn't read all (laughs) 25,000, but I'm guessing – that that had a lot to do with a lot of people who were very angry about this. I'm just, I think that that's a fair statement to make that that's what it was. Although I, I didn't see a lot of, Hey, you remember 2014. I just saw a lot of kind of vitriol and anger and, and, you know, lashing out and going at the Raiders and him for this. Uh, So I don't know the percentage of people who probably should have been mad about that reason. Um, So let me ask you this. If it says we can breathe uh, 24, 2021, is this not an issue or how less of an issue is it
1: if one word is changed uh it's less of an issue but the okay if mark davis's reasoning is that he heard george floyd's brother say we are able to breathe again right and that's what mark, right, mark right. davis mark is mark Davis's mark davis's past suggests that he's not that he actually is in support of george floyd he and george floyd's yes. family so yes. like I believe that, but the yeah. uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna hear that quote, use the quote like we are able to breathe again. Use the actual quote and, and quote brother. him and put his name on there. Yes, does he said it. He said yes. it. Yes, and, and, and that that's what goes back to making this about the Raiders is the tweet itself is a graphic that has right. three words: "I can breathe." It has the date and it has the Raiders logo. It right. does not have anything about George Floyd or George Floyd's brother. So if this is in support of them, like wh- where are they? Where are they represented in this? They're not because they wanted to make this about them. And here, the other part of this that I I find even more unbelievable. So they send out the tweet, right? People are going to send out bad tweets. People are going to make bad graphics. You're going to do dumb things, right? It happens all the time. You're going to get you know roasted on Twitter for doing sure, something sure. like that. The worst part in all of this is Mark Davis's refusal to back down from the tweet. His refusal to admit, oh, we shouldn't have sent that. Let's delete it. H- how? how? That To me, that's the worst part. The fact that he's trying to defend it to you, trying to defend it to, to Sean, and saying, we're not going to delete it. It's going to stay up. I don't like, what is he doing? How does he not understand what that tweet means after it's been explained to him and he leaves it up? I,
3: th- I have not checked this morning. I assume it's still up. He said it's It is, yes. They pinned it. Um, I-, I can't answer that. I mean, I think it's one of those things where he truly, and that's, you know, one of the re- quotes he gave all of us was, there's context to this. It's not just me kind of off the top of my head. And look, he, he explained it, and people can think what they want in terms of his explanation. I, I get that, and I think a lot of people uh, did not think the explanation was good enough. So I don't, I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know if he just truly believes uh, that it's a, it's a right statement based on what the brother said. Um, it, it, there's just so much to this, you know. And then he talked about, he talked to me, I, and I think he talked to, to Sean about, hey, you know, um, I'm, le- I'm reading the quote here. I believe it has context. Chauvin was on his neck for more than nine minutes and found guilty, and now his knee is fully off his neck. It's a little too late. Justice was served. Uh, we have a long way to go. Like, I, like, all of that on its basis is fine. Like, if you want to say we still have a long way to go, and you make a great point. I will say this, and I think you'd agree. There are a few sports teams, I guess, I don't know if in the history of sports, but definitely in the last several, several decades, who have not been as out of front in terms of racial, uh, you know, fighting against racial equality and, 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 you know, interviewing minorities. They were the Rooney rule before the Rooney rule happened. I mean, first Latino coach, first black coach in the modern era, first female in Amy Trask. So his dad was at the forefront of that. So I do believe exactly what you're saying. He believes in this, and I, I'm sure he supports the family and all of that and then this comes out and you know it's just it's a firestorm um, so you're right that not taking it down Tyler I, I don't know why I don't know if he truly believes look this is what I meant I'm not gonna apologize for it he told us both that he said I would apologize to the family if they call me and they had thought it was wrong but he's not gonna apologize for it and when you do that you leave yourself open to you know uh, you know serious criticism and and rightly criticized in a lot of people's minds who tweets from the Las Vegas aces account um i and again i don't know i mean most of these teams and like you said in the beginning we can't go over every uh, sports organization that tweeted yesterday they all had something to say and i thought were uh, some were a lot better than others yes and some really got you know some others kind of made it about themselves not not to directly like this one but uh, others were very classy in their response um i don't know that i mean most teams right i'm i don't think i'm wrong here professional teams have a in 2021 have a social media director i mean yeah. by the way if they if they don't they should i mean that's how you get your message out right so i can't tell you although i just assume they do and
1: if not it would probably be the pr director that we know i don't know that so the the ace so mark davis owns two teams the raiders yes. and the aces and the aces also sent out a tweet yesterday that was just a graphic with some words on it and Theirs had a lot more than three words. It started with, we're we're grateful for today's verdict, brought accountability. But the amazing thing is while Mark Davis tried to paraphrase George Floyd's brother and managed to find the exact phrase people use to mock people like George Floyd, the aces tweeted one out and they used a direct quote from George Floyd's daughter. Like, said her by name, put it in quotes, exactly what she said. And it's to me, it's 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 remarkable that Mark Davis has two teams, and they did the exact opposite yesterday. And if the Raiders had simply tweeted something like the Aces tweeted, we wouldn't be talking about this this morning. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't have even it no. wouldn't even brought up. No, because no, because it, they would have just
3: been another team with a statement from yesterday. I, I mean, that's essentially what it have been, as we saw. Uh, you know teams from every league make their statements but you're right it would have just been another one and everyone would have gone on and i mean when i i got home yesterday it was is was funny and i don't know when you first heard about this but i saw it and it was just the vitro was just crazy and i didn't know what had happened and right when i read it i said oh that's gonna that's not gonna be good um so i understood why people were really really mad I'm glad we all were able to get a hold of him and at least let him explain it. Now you certainly don't have to agree with the explanation, like you said. I mean, a lot of people won't, but it was good that he explained it and did. You know, he said, "I'm not. I'll take responsibility for it. I don't want anyone else taking heat." Is what an owner? Should, what I think we all want an owner to do. It's like, look, if you did it, say it. A lot of owners might say, "Oh, you know, I don't think they'd name the person, but give the impression that it wasn't just them." Uh, yeah. So this will be interesting. Um, <laughs> It's funny because I'm supposed to talk to him today and his last words were, I don't know if you want to talk to me. I said, yes. I mean, don't- <laughs> that's nothing to do with that. I was actually scheduled beforehand about something else. But, um, <laughs> this, I, you know, it's, I don't think it's going away. I think you'll see more stuff today as it gets out nationally. It's a national story. It was on the front page of ESPN. Paul Gutierrez wrote. Uh, he got a hold of him, too. So I don't know if this goes away in a 24-hour span. And this is also one thing you know as well as I do. This won't go in the way in the sense is this will be brought up often now. Because oh all the time. Hap- oh yeah. Yeah, when this happens, I mean, you're it's getting brought up
1: now, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, every single time the Raiders yes. do anything, anything like uh, unrelated to to this, just on the football yes. field, this is going to be brought up constantly by other yeah. people because it, they screwed up and they they Mark Davis was uh, stubborn and refused to delete a something they screwed up. And it's I don't know, it's it's still you think
3: real quick i know we got a break do you think in his mind or maybe in the people uh uh talking to him about this the feeling was if they delete it they admit they admit they've made a horrible mistake sometimes that happens too because i don't know if he admitted he made a mistake i think what he said is no this is what i meant I'm not apologizing. You take it down. The sense is, not that I think this should be their feeling, is that,
1: oh, it was a huge mistake. I don't know that. I'm just wondering what you think about that. Yeah, but it's not like drafting Jonathan Abram and he turns out to be a bust and you don't want to admit it. Like, you just hit delete on the tweet and that's it. You're not, like, locked in. You're not, like locked into this tweet for life just because you sent it, you can delete well, they it. Well, might, they might be. <laughs> I mean, Mark <laughs> Davis made them, but they're not. Like, they can hit delete. It's not that hard to hit delete on a tweet. Like, you draft a guy and it's a regret. Oh, you're locked into his contract for a few years. But a tweet, you, you just go hit delete and you're good to go. All right, coming up next, something that did get deleted yesterday, the European Super League lasted about four days.
0: I applaud the just verdict, but it's hard for me to – to celebrate based on where the whole thing started, George Floyd still being dead, people since then being dead and not having overwhelming confidence that that this is going to be a step in the right direction and not an isolated incident. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff.
1: The Super League is no more. Lots of teams yesterday started backing out of the European Super League. All six of the English teams backed out. Atletico Madrid, uh, the Milan teams in Italy backed out. Uh, even the chairman of Manchester United stepped down as a result of this. Um, and hold on. Uh, for you, the person who doesn't follow soccer nearly as closely as I do, do you feel justified in not following soccer because this Super League fell apart within like three days of being put together?
3: I feel justified in only one way, that you actually, that you actually floated out there the idea that my Man City team would be eliminated, because was our and now it won't be. So my lunch is still in play along with Jared. Other than that, it was pretty funny. Ben Goetz had a good tweet yesterday. Name your favorite Super League moment. I mean, it was like, you know, yeah, it was. I, I guess you and I talked about about this yesterday, and I asked you, you know. Is the fear of the billionaires they're going to lose money off this and why if they're that powerful of, of, of soccer of soccer teams in that in those countries, why would they fear that so. I guess my question would be like what led to this were they afraid were they afraid boy we're gonna we're gonna get dropped from all these other you know leagues and terms and we're gonna lose money was, I mean it seems like they backed down fast.
1: I don't think the Super League fell apart because they were afraid of their teams being kicked out of the current Champions League or the Premier League or La Liga or whatever. I don't think that's what it was. I think the problem is that the owners of these teams that created the Super League did not have anyone else on their side. We ha- we saw fans for both Chelsea and Liverpool, who happened to play Monday and Tuesday protesting outside the stadiums of those games over the last two days obviously plenty of people complained about it online but you not only did you have fans you had the managers pep guardiola guardiola of manchester city he said this wasn't sport he said this wasn't competition because there's you know 15 teams that can't get relegated if they sign jurgen klopp liverpool's manager he came out and said he didn't like it. He had no, he didn't agree with it whatsoever, but the, his owner was going to do what his owner was going to do. So you had managers of teams that were going to be involved come out and say they didn't want to do this. And then you also obviously had the media that came out and for the most part was against this and was like, this is this is horrible. How are you letting them do this? So they did like of all the people that are interested or care or involved in European soccer, not a single faction was on board with the super league except these 12 owners and that's where the problem is is they had no support if they had if you know if their managers had been on board with it right then maybe this is different if the player because oh i forgot the players there was supposed to be a meeting of all the premier league captains because like jordan henderson of liverpool is like we should we shouldn't be doing this so what can we do and like so the players too so if they had had the managers and the players on their side, or if they had gotten the fans on their side, or if even just, like, they had gotten some of the media on their side to explain, hey, this is why it's a good thing, then maybe it still exists, but because every single part of European soccer was against it, 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 basically, that was the pressure. I don't think it had anything to do with possibly being booted from these other leagues. I think it just had to do with... Every single person was against them. Even well, like politicians in Europe were like, "What the hell are you guys doing? This is horrible." I think Spain or I think England passed was trying to pass like legislation to say you can't do this. So everyone was against it, and that's why I think they ultimately had to call it quits and well, pull out. It's always tough
3: in England to go against the Board of Regents, but um, <laughs> I uh, well, we talked about this yesterday. Also, in remembering what we talked about. Like, if you're those 12 powerful teams, I guess you wouldn't care, or not care, worry about being knocked out. Because if those if if everyone knocks you out, uh, how bad are they and how weak do they become? So, yeah, I mean, I would think it's like they may be mad and furious and, like, threatened. It's like, you're not really knocking these people out because then you'll be, you know, you, you, you'll you reduce yourself to nothing and, and and unimportant. So I guess, like you said, it's fans and politicians, and it's a little peer pressure within yourself that if you're the only one on the Hill there as the owner... And you look down and look, you don't wanna piss off your fans, right? You don't wanna piss off the money or the people who support your team and buy, you know, buy the jerseys and, you know, spend a fortune on these teams every year just to watch them. Um, it made for a funny story. I mean, I I guess it made, you know, is this the like has there ever league has there ever been a league to close down this fast? I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure if I looked on Twitter I would have find more. Um, but uh it made for a funny story yesterday when the tweets came out and talking about the history of the league and, you know, what was your favorite moment? And, uh, but I mean, do you think we've talked about uh, powers in college football and now some people come out with a super league in college football, trying to make fun of it and giving out the teams. Um, You know, I assume you think this is a good thing. Did you look
1: forward to a super league at all? I mean, I, I absolutely would have watched it. I would not yeah. have had a big problem with it. I would not have preferred it to the current setup that they have. But I, I to me, it wasn't going to be drastically different. Because here's here's a fun stat for you. Um, of the 12 teams that joined the Super League, and if you throw in PSG and Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich as the three other three teams they wanted that said no – those are the 15 teams that run soccer. Those are the 15 teams that we're going to run the Super They're League. They're the ones that matter. Every yeah. single Champions League champion and runner-up has been one of those 15 teams yeah. since 2004. The last 17 years, no other team in Europe has won the Champions League or even finished second in the Champions League. And outside of those 15 teams, no other team in Spain has won Spain's domestic title. No other team in Italy has won Italy's domestic title. Only Leicester City in England has won England's domestic title in the last 17 years. Those 15 teams run the sport. Those 15 teams are going to win every trophy that's out there. So if yeah, you put them in the Super League, okay, like this is a, this is what we're getting from the Champions League anyway. So it wouldn't have bothered me that much, but it what to me it's not as fun as the current setup. Now the current setup isn't great either because again it's soccer is european soccer is the most top heavy sports leagues in the world there's no other leagues that are as top heavy as that and it's if you want to change that there's got to be drastic changes which is the super league was going in one direction saying well we're just going to keep dominating but if you want to change you got to go in different directions where you limit how much money they can spend but i don't know that that's ever happening because that's part of the soccer world is you can just spend however much money you want on players and, and nobody can tell you no all right Coming up next, we are going to be joined by David Crowley. He wrote a book about the 1962 baseball season, and I can't wait to hear about how the Dodgers lost the NL pennant, ranked you there? Uh, above 80th. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this
0: is not Hello? good. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios.
1: Radio from home is always fun. I so hope. It's I, beautiful, beautiful. I hope. Uh, I, at some point, I'll lose con- connection again today. Yes, so. I, I can't wait until when you oh, can't hear us, but for some reason, we can still hear you. Joining great. us now is David Krell. He's got a new book coming out on May first, nineteen sixty-two: Baseball and America in the Time of JFK. David, how are you this morning?
0: Hello, David. I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys? we are
1: we are good so I'm I the first thing just sort of a a general question about writing a book about 1962 it's it's a long time ago we're talking 60 years in the past so how difficult is it to to find the people find the stories that would make up a book that's 60 year about things that happened 60 years ago
0: well it's a lot easier now of course because you have the internet to track people down and to ask questions and find out what they're you know what what connects them to 62 and the topics you want to talk about. So, for example, uh, Tyler Corder, who heads up Finley Auto, was extraordinarily generous with his time, and Joanna Bajian, who is Richard Bajian's widow, was equally generous in sharing stories about Bo Bolinski, who lived in Vegas for the last few years of his life and through a no-hitter in, in 62. I would not have found them without the Internet. So they, as difficult as it might be through microfilm. And internet databases of newspapers and just uh, some good old-fashioned Google searches, you can find the information and the people to do this. You
3: uh, you mentioned Bobolinsky Uh Look, I, I, I you had me at uh, dated starlets and playmates and such, and he was uh, kind of a crazy guy. Um, so and his time in Las Vegas. So for those listening who might know not know of Bobolinsky and that he you know was here in Vegas and and kind of this guy who had a lot of things going for himself in 62. Tell people about who Bo Belinsky was.
0: Well, Bo Bolinski is a New Jersey native. I'm also a native of New Jersey. I grew up in Springfield, about an hour from Trenton where Bo grew up. And he grew up in the 50s. But while other kids were playing American Legion ball in Little League, he's hanging out in pool halls. So he didn't have the greatest foundation growing up. He threw a no-hitter in 62 for the Angels. And that's a gateway to Hollywood. If you're in Southern California and you throw no-hitter, you're royalty. So he can't go anywhere without guys buying him drinks. Women want to be with him. Men want to be him. And he's engaged to Mamie Van Doren. And for those who don't know, uh, they may know Marilyn Monroe. Well, if women and sexuality were cars, then Marilyn Monroe was a Porsche, and Mamie Van Doren was a Ferrari. And she would have been the stability that he needed. Unfortunately, that uh, engagement did not result in marriage. He had three marriages that uh, resulted in divorce. And it's a sad story. His demons got the better of him for a very long time. And then when he wound up in Vegas and working at Findlay Auto, uh, the people who worked there told me uh, they didn't recognize the bow that they had heard stories about. He was not the hard partying guy by that point in his life. And he, he knew that he had screwed up and he tried his best to conquer the demons of alcohol, etc. cetera. Uh, the, the best story I can encapsulate uh, regarding uh, Bo, somebody told me that uh, Anne margaret was appearing at one of the casinos, and he had dated her in the past, and somebody said, hey, Bo, uh, ann Margaret's appearing at the so-and-so casino. Will you call? Do you think you'll go backstage and try to see her? And he said, my life is over. So he, he tried to put that, uh, that partying life behind him.
1: So wait a minute. He moved to Las Vegas... After his partying life, like he came here to not party. Anymore? I, I know,
0: I, I know. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like in Cheers when Sam Malone is a recovering alcoholic and he owns a bar. It's not exactly the the greatest uh, the, the greatest city to be in if you have certain predilections or certain vulnerabilities to addiction. But uh, you know, Findlay and uh, the folks there and uh, and, and other friends. Gave him, I think, the stability that he never found. I mean, this is a guy who bounced around the minor leagues like a pinball. He played for uh, Vancouver. He played for Stockton. He, he played for Hawaii three times. He had three uh, small stints in Hawaii. He played for San Diego in the Pacific Coast League. And his his, as you guys know, his major league record was not great. It was 28-51. And, and even in the in the year where he pitched the no-hitter, he led the majors in walks. So he didn't really apparently have the discipline to get those rough edges off. He, he had one Hall of Fame day. He certainly didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but he had that Hall of Fame day in May of 62.
1: So uh, you write a book about 1962, and looking back through it, I think my favorite part is that uh, the Dodgers lost uh, a playoff yeah. series against the Giants. So <laughs> yeah. how, how great was this uh, Dodgers loss to the Giants? It's not good,
0: not uh, good. not 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 good if you're a Dodgers fan obviously but what 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 people forget about that year guys is that was the year that Dodger Stadium debuted so as much fun as it was to see Maury Wills break the record and you have 40,000 people chanting go 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 every time he's on first base so he he steals second and then if he's on second stealing third he basically had a green light to do that from the manager Walter Alston and everybody knows he's going to try and, and do it and more times than not be successful. But imagine doing that in a state-of-the-art ballpark. And now that's the third oldest ballpark in the country or in major leagues because we have Toronto, of course. But in the major leagues, it's the third oldest ballpark. And they just underwent a terrific renovation, uh, which hopefully will will keep it in good stead for years to come. But, yeah, it was an epic Giants-Dodgers playoff that hadn't happened since 51 it went down to the wire and then an epic seven game series between the Giants and the. Uh,
1: David, I don't, I don't know much about the actual history of major league baseball playoff, but did having a, a pennant playoff for the national league, did that at all lead to them deciding, Hey, we should have more than just the NL and AL champion play for the world series. We should have more teams qualify for a postseason.
0: You know, I'm a cynical guy when it comes to this. I think it was a matter of extending the season. If people will watch a three-game playoff when it happens, then they'll watch playoffs every year. And as you guys know, it was not an every-year occasion when it happened in 62. It happened in 51. That's 11 years before. And it happened uh, sometime before that as well. But I I think it was just, look at what's going on now, where they're extending the season. Why don't we just start game one as a playoff? I mean, you have thirty teams and wild cards, and this and that, and four of seven series, and another four of seven series. It, it's really, and, and we're we're playing the World Series into November. I, I think something has to be done to either curtail it or play double headers. I know we're getting a little off topic, but more double headers during the year will prevent us from playing the World Series in November.
3: Huh. As a Dodger fan, start the playoffs now. Let me ask you about sixty-two because. <laughs> Uh, You mentioned Maury Wills, 100 stone bases, Drysdale 125, Um, Koufax was hurt for a lot of the year. But when you went back and started researching and talking to people about the standards and the numbers back then compared to today, and I know there's a lot of specialists today, you know, there is no Drysdale or Koufax who are going to go nine no matter what. What sense did you get in terms of what people think are better then or now?
0: Well, George Wills, the political columnist and commentator who says that he engages in his political journalism career just so he can finance his baseball passion. Uh, He says the greatest players are the ones who played when you were 12 years old. So if I'm talking, I'm talking about Tom Seaver. If I'm talking to someone who was born in 1950, they're going to mention Drysdale and Koufax. Of course, you have specialists today. You'll never see a 300-game career. You'll never see 300 wins again, not in the current paradigm. They just don't have the the opportunities. And I'm a Mets fan, so I'm looking at Jacob deGrom. My God, how many (laughs) games has he uh, won technically, but didn't have the run support? I mean, it's got to be like a dozen games in the past two years at least. So it's very, very difficult. Baseball is a time of change. It's a game of change, depending on the times. And I I hope we get back to the classic paradigm, but I, I don't think that's the case. You have guys coming in and They'll, they'll pitch to one batter and another guy pitching to another batter. And, and this, this nonsensical rule where you start with a man on second in uh, extra innings. I mean, this is just a very strange time for baseball. So
1: in, in 1962, there were a couple of expansion teams, New York Mets and the Houston Colt 45s. Do, don't even right. give anything away from the book you don't want to, but uh, any good stories about those expansion teams?
0: Well, I, I think the, under, the unsung hero and the undervalued hero for the Mets is Joan Payson. And I talk about this in the book. Somebody authored an essay in a book I edited not too long ago called The New York Mets and Popular Culture, talking about Joan Payson's philanthropy in hospitals and art, especially in the New York area. But this is a woman who uh, was at, at the top of the 1%. I mean, she was in the .1 of the 1% probably, and uh, it comes from the Whitney family, very prominent family in New York. But she loved baseball. She loved baseball. She was with the managers and the players before the game. She sat behind the dugout. Uh, if, if there's a person who belongs in the Hall of Fame who isn't, it's Joan Payson.
1: Well, he is David Krell, wrote the book 1962, Baseball and America in the Time of JFK. It comes out May 1st. I I believe you can uh, already order it now on Amazon, though. Uh, David, we we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks,
0: David. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Be well. Take care of yourself.
1: 1962.
3: Well, I wanted to throw in there I was really, really upset. The Dodgers, in reading back here... Had a two-game lead with three to play, (laughs) and the and the Giants the Giants kind of rallied by beating your Houston. What is it, Colt Forty Fives? Was it? Yeah. Who who was your Colt? Was your Colt Forty Fives? Yeah. Yeah. They were shut one to one. 2-1 2-1 on a, the Houston Colt 45s and a home run by Willie Mays to catch the Dodgers. I'm not very happy with the Colt 45s at this
1: point. Were they cheating with trash cans too? Is that what happened? Listen, it, it was an expansion yeah, also, team, Ed. They were not very good. Also, they were bad.
2: It was the 60s. They were probably all on amphetamines and cocaine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that in their first year of existence, the Houston Colt 45s could cost the Dodgers a chance yes, in the World Series. They did. I am losing just, Yes, I, I am it. just I am glad that the Houston organization yeah. could make that happen even yeah. in their first year. All right. Coming up next, uh, we're going to get into the NHL and how terrible jersey patches might look in that league.
0: If you watch Steph Curry shoot the ball, it's just like you just you just go wow. I kiss his it's just just to sit there and watch this guy shoot a basketball. Well, that's how you feel when you watch Trevor throw a football. When you get to see him live and you get to see him move, you just go, "Wow!" I mean, it's just—it's just different. He's a—he's a, a face of a franchise guy. It's the press box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas.
1: Man, Trevor Lawrence is not going to live up to the hype, busy. We got Dabo Sweeney out here saying he's going to be like Steph Curry yeah. where you just have to watch him play. He's not living up to this hype. I don't know how you can live up to the hype when a
3: local lawyer in Jacksonville buys you a $300 toaster for your wedding. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, isn't it weird some some person bought That's him a chopping block drug? for the food? I mean, isn't it strange that they're buying this, kid, this guy wedding presents? I thought that was... I mean, you mm-hmm. can, like, buy his jersey and uh be excited that he's coming you know you think he's going to turn around the franchise and here's the other thing where are they sending these gifts like to, to clemson house.
1: To, to how house? would they
3: know where he lives
1: i although, mean well, okay
3: okay although given, J- given his comments on it i'm sure he's already bought the mansion because he uh, given his comments like i can't wait to
1: get there he hasn't even been drafted yet well i mean they they bought it off his wedding registry right i assume they did how did yeah.
3: they know which, but where did they know he was registered how did this come All about
1: well, I don't know. Well here's the thing. There's there's wedding websites. As somebody who's been to way too many weddings over the last five years of my life. There's wedding websites that are like thenot.com. And if you just type in the people's names that are getting married and the knot, you're probably gonna find their wedding registry. I and then and then once you and then the way the way it works now is people just create a list on like Amazon or Bed Bath and Beyond, and you just select when you buy it send to them. You don't ever have to have their address. They put it into Amazon or Bed Bath & Beyond, and they just ship it off to whoever you bought it for.
2: I have accidentally found so many of our guests' wedding pages because (laughs) I am, like, looking up, trying to find, like, all right, what's the best way to contact them? And then you type in their name, and you're on page, like, you've put in enough Boolean operators to, like, get to, like, who represents them, and then, like, the third link is... A very special day on march 20th 2012 and you're like i'm like i really shouldn't click this but well it'll be nice to see their wedding pictures given
3: it's amazon now i'm a little surprised i haven't clicked and sent them five gifts
2: are you? A you're Jackson? not a
1: Jaguars fan. Come
3: on. No, but it's just, it's just, no. It's just the Amazon clicking I get a out of control with. So I can't believe somehow I hasn't haven't clicked and the guy got like a couch from me or something like that. And it was actually, totally by mistake, wait.
2: Ed, you're you're probably the most gainfully employed of anyone in this group. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I, I mean I do think it'd be fun if you like clicked <laughs> if you bought him and it's just like hey if you're ever in Vegas. <laughs> Just remember, I'm the guy who got you a couch. Yeah.
1: I'd have to All archive right. that order around here. <laughs> I, I do have a genuine question because The Athletic has a story on Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars fans buying them stuff off their wedding registry. Somebody bought him a $300 toaster. As you do. W- what are you getting for the $300
2: yeah. toaster? Oh, here? that thing's like, got to also be an air fryer, right?
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. It just I mean, said a lawyer
2: bought him a toaster. All right, I'm looking right? up three hundred dollar toasters. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't I,
3: know what, what I don't know what it would entail. I mean, it, I hope it entails a lot more than just the two levers you put. I uh, you put the um, bagel on that I just didn't, or my wife just did in the kitchen. It's got to be worth more than that.
1: I mean, listen, I love toaster ovens, but I can't. Okay, I found it. I found the one they bought. You're not going to believe this. It's not a toaster oven. It's the it's the two pieces of bread go down and pop up toaster oven. Or not, not oven. I keep saying oven. It's not a toaster oven. It's just a toaster, a regular ass toaster that you can only put bucks? that you can only put two slices of bread in at a time. It has a
2: touchscreen. Uh, yeah, it's got a touchscreen where you can select oh, how you bread. Like it has a picture of how you want the bread to come out. Yeah. Okay. But,
3: now I now I understand. Now it, no, it's no, still not
1: worth three hundred, but I kind of understand what the touch. Okay. Is. No, but here's what I don't understand. It's
2: got an English muffin <laughs>
1: mode. Why? Why do toasters exist? We have toaster ovens. We have technology that is so far beyond the regular toaster. You put in two pieces of bread, you push the little lever down, and it pops up when it's done. Why does that exist? That is a technology that we have surpassed as a species. That should not be used anymore. We have toaster ovens.
2: Toaster ovens yeah. are so
1: much better than these types of toasters.
2: Take up more I'm space. I'm not so
1: sure. I've tried toaster ovens in the past
3: and haven't been able to get the toast right.
1: What? You can literally yeah. see in the door and take it now, out whenever
3: you want it. Don't you have to like, isn't there a level where you say small heat, medium heat, big heat? Like if you do the toaster, like the normal one, you know it's oh. going to do it for you, right? You just have to make sure it's not turned all the way over to like dark or whatever, whatever they says on those little knobs. I, I'm kind of old school on the toaster. Toaster, I don't oh like to use Oh, my Jesus God. Bread. Toasted. Jesus. But we don't yeah. have one of those. Well, Do we have one of those? No. <laughs> my, my wife just said we do not have one of those. We just right. have a real toaster.
2: I've asked you guys this before, but what do you guys put in a toaster?
3: Bagels or bread.
2: Dang it. Sorry. It's just supposed to be a trick question because people, so, for some reason, always answer toast. And it's like, no, you take toast out of a toaster. You put oh, bread in. Oh, that's
1: right. Oh. Good one. I was about I was about to say everything because anything I like anything I reheat I put it in my toaster oven it Well, yeah, don't you have a microwave? No, the toaster oven is better. It's significantly better
2: He is like in a microwave. Yeah.
1: Yes Like if you and if you ever have leftover pizza Well, you don't have a toaster oven but if you ever have leftover (laughs) pizza and for some reason you have a toaster oven use the toaster oven to reheat it It's it's better like it's so much better than using the microwave because it, it retains the crispiness
2: or it'll crisp it up more. Yeah, but, that yeah. too. It's so great. It's, like, it's, it's really like good.
1: Almost anything I reheat, I reheat it via toaster oven. I don't really use the microwave to reheat things hardly at all.
3: Ed, have okay, you? How, oh, go ahead. How long is our next break? Because I'm going to click on Amazon and hit click. <laughs>
1: and get it. And, to, and within two days, I'll say it,
3: you're, it's, it's being delivered. It's on its way. And then all of a sudden, I'll have a toaster oven.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you buy a, I mean, there's a $329 toaster oven that I found. So you know, go all out. Oh, get the one that has an oh, air fry like setting.
3: Oh, can you imagine if that came home or if that got delivered? I get, I get, um, I got a hard time when I had those plastic sleeves uh, delivered the other day for the vaccine cards. Oh God! You know, those oh, and those God. things were two dollars and forty-two cents. I'm looking oh. at toaster ovens <laughs> right now. Amazon always gives you their Best Buy, and the Best Buy I'm seeing right now, free delivery by tomorrow cost me one hundred ninety-seven and six cents. I don't know where the hell the six cents is coming from, um, but it's a quartzite countertop toaster oven, stainless steel, extra large capacity, dark gray. Ed, There's a lot of buttons on this thing. I don't think I'm. A, I don't think I'm. I, I think I'm just a regular toaster guy. And oh, the six the cents
2: went to the employees that are currently trying to unionize.
1: <laughs> By the way, so Jordan Goodrich on Twitter just tweeted: Who would have thought Tyler would be a wedding expert? I am 28 years old. I grew up in the state of Mississippi. To completely generalize everybody from Mississippi, yes, they all want to get married before they're 25 years old. I have been to so many of my friends' weddings in the last five years. It's unbelievable how many weddings I've been yep. to. People need to stop getting married. And thankfully, they've mostly all gotten married by now. I'm the last one that hasn't gotten Holy married. So, Are you
2: holding out? You're holding out?
1: I, I've got, yeah, i got to be last. I'm going to, I had to see all of their weddings. So my wedding will be better and they will all be jealous.
2: Moneyballed weddings.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Listen, my one friend had a donut wall at his wedding. That was a great idea. I'm a big fan of that donut wall.